Titus chapter 3, and uh, we'll read verses 4, 5, 6, and 7 in uh, Titus chapter 3. Hear the Word of God. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for uh, Your Word, and uh, thank You for the occasion uh, for our uh, being together uh, this evening. And uh, we do uh, especially pray, Father, that You'll uh, bless Bella and Ava. Uh, We thank You for them. Uh, We thank You for uh, the faith in Jesus Christ that You have been pleased to give to them. And uh, we pray, Father, that uh, as uh, they are uh, baptized this evening, uh, that this will be a significant step in their lives before you. And Father, we pray that as we have an opportunity to observe the baptism, that you'd be pleased to bless us in the congregation and cause us to reflect on our own baptisms. And help us to understand, Father, that Uh, This baptism and these baptisms were uh, not just a single event in the past or a single event uh, in the present, uh, but uh, these baptisms have uh, significance uh, for the future and uh, what baptism represents will not be uh, fulfilled and completed until you take us to heaven itself. And so grant us grace to this end, we pray, that we might serve you in this moment, in this little space of time that you've been pleased to give us as we talk about your word and by your grace have the opportunity to Uh, observe uh, these baptisms, we pray, in the good name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Uh, The scene uh, is a little chapel on Fort MacArthur in San Pedro, California, which is on the southern side of Los Angeles. It's a Sabbath morning, it's a Sunday morning, and uh, a young lady uh, has presented herself uh, for baptism, and uh, so she was called to 
the front of uh, the chapel, and she stood, and uh, the chaplain uh, stood in front of her. And uh, as a seminarian, my uh, position was uh, on the platform. <laughs> so I could observe uh, the young lady and see her, her face. And uh, the chaplain uh, read the uh, questions that uh, are uh, uh, read, and you'll hear later this evening. And uh, when he came to the question, uh, which was phrased something uh, like this, he posed it uh, to this young lady. Uh, he, he said, Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you promise to live for Him? And it was almost as though the young lady was stunned by the question. She just went uh, 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 like this. She, uh, as if she was stunned by the question. And she thought for a moment very contemplatively. And there was a pause. And she answered the question and said, Yes, I do. And uh, it, it was a rather memorable uh, event and a rather memorable time uh, because I, I think uh, my impression of the circumstance was uh, that uh, right there uh, during that baptismal service and the uh, answer, the a- asking of those questions and the answering of those questions, I think this young lady was converted. And uh, I I lay this example before you because uh, it's a striking example of the fact uh, that uh, there may be a baptism and the uh, significance of that baptism is related in the baptismal service, uh, uh, but the significance of that baptism uh, may not be uh, uh, understood in that baptismal service, and the significance of that baptism might be understood years later and decades later. It's very possible that this is the case. And in actuality, the symbolism of baptism actually doesn't come to its fulfillment and fruition until we pass from this life and enter glory itself. Because it's only then that the cleansing symbolized in baptism comes to its completion. And this is one of the things that I want you to realize this evening as we talk about these matters just a little bit and look into this text in Titus chapter 3. And I'm bearing down on verses 5, 6, and seven, and uh, you'll you'll see how the theme of baptism emerges as we uh, look at the text. In verse five, uh, the apostle Paul is very straightforward. He says simply, uh, with regard to God, He saved us. He saved us. In other words. 
God took action upon us to bring us into a state of salvation before Him. It's not something that we did. It's kind of like people who have been buried in the rubble of an earthquake. They can't save themselves. They need someone to come and dig them out of that rubble and save them. It's kind of like a group of miners who have been in a coal mine deep in the earth and there's a cave-in and suddenly they find themselves trapped in that mine and they cannot dig their way out of that mine. They have to have other people who bore down through the earth to save them from that catastrophe. And you and I, as we come into this life, are are in the pit of death and sin. And we must be saved from that pit of death and sin. And only God, only God is capable of doing that. And this is reflected in the fact of baptism. We are baptized. It's in the passive voice, isn't it? Something happens to us. Something is done to us. And this is how God works. He saves us. And He saves you and me not on the basis of anything good we have done, but as an act of pure mercy. Verse 5 again. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. The sinner in the Gospels cries out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy upon me. That's what we need. We need mercy. We need God to come to us and extricate us from our sin and be merciful to us. God doesn't have to save you and me. I hope you realize that this is the case. God is not forced. He's not, he doesn't have to save you. The Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it this way. In words to this effect. Has God left all mankind in the state of sin and misery? And the answer is, God having out of His mere good pleasure determined to elect some enters into a covenant of grace 
to deliver them from the estate of sin and misery and bring them into an estate of salvation by a Redeemer. In other words, God calls out of the mass of fallen humanity a people for Himself. And He determines Himself. He has mercy on individuals like you and me. He doesn't have to draw us out of the mass of fallen humanity. It's on the basis of His grace and mercy. And the text says, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. There's nothing, nothing for which we can pat ourselves on the back and say to God, I'm deserving of you. That's not the picture that we are given. There's nothing that we can do to be deserving to God. It's mercy and grace. And He saves you, uh, this text says, to justify you and to give you the hope of eternal life. Uh, The text again. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done, but according to His mercy, skipping down to verse 7, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Uh, This whole whole idea of justification to be made right with God. Uh, And uh, you you should know, you should realize this, I think, that most of you uh, have computers or laptops or or iPads or something of that nature. And uh, when you write on the computer... Uh, on the printed page, on the computer, in the right-hand margin, you you can uh, set uh, the right-hand margin to be a straight line. And uh, that's called uh, justifying the right margin so that everything is in line. And the point is that you and I need to be in line with God. You and I need to be in line with the purposes of God. And the only way that we can be in line with the purposes of God is that He has mercy on you and me and He forgives you and me of our sins and makes us right with Him because of what Jesus Christ has done. And that's the idea of justification that we're made right with God. And when you're made right with God, the text says, uh, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. When you're made right with God and you're justified, you're adopted into God's family. Uh, We we have a little uh, granddaughter, uh, Ermine and I, who... I came into our daughter's home uh, uh, through uh, foster care. 
And after she had been in our uh, oldest daughter's home uh, for a time, uh, our daughter uh, adopted a, a little boy uh, when he was born. And he was uh, brought into the family immediately and adopted when uh, he was born. And uh, so this little gal who uh, uh, was in the home as a foster child uh, kept tugging on my daughter and saying, when am I going to be adopted? Because I want to be part of the family. And she knew that foster children often would come into the family and then they would leave. And she said, no, no, <laughs> no, no, I don't want that to happen to me. I want to be part of the family permanently. And this is what God does when He makes us right with Him, and we are adopted into His family, and we become children of God, and we become heirs of God. As His children, there's an inheritance awaiting us, and it's eternal life in heaven. That's the inheritance that awaits the children of God. Praise be unto God that this is the case. And God makes all of this very personal by causing the likes of you and me to be born again. Let's look at the text again. He saved us, verse 5, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. God comes to us and saves us mercifully by causing the likes of people like us to be born again by washing us of our sins, by cleansing us of our sins. And this is one of the beautiful pictures that comes to us in baptism. Baptism is a washing with water. And it symbolizes the washing away of our sins. And renewing by the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit works in the heart and renews the heart and changes the heart and changes people like me from grumpy old men into people that love Jesus Christ and love others in the church and love to come to church and worship in God's church. He renews us in the inner person and changes our hearts 
and causes us to be reborn, to be born again. This is a work of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts. This is not something you control and this is not something I control. This is something that God does in being merciful to you and to me. And it's a great thing when God changes a sinner's heart. One of the things that happened to me shortly after I was converted to faith in Christ in Korea, on the other side of the world, I got up at Reveille early in the morning to go out and stand in front of the platoon of which I was the platoon leader. And as I was going out to stand in front of that platoon early in the morning, I was jaunting along and singing and smiling. And there were other fellows who were there in that unit were saying, what's your problem, Lieutenant Prudhoe? Why are you so happy <laughs> this morning? It's because of the joy of the Lord that was in my heart because God had changed my heart. And this is what God does. Praise be unto Him. It's a very good thing. And this new birth, uh, the text tells us, comes about because of what Jesus Christ does. Again, uh, look at our text. Uh, verses 5 and 6. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done that people like you and me receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ is the one who came into this world and uh, born of a virgin, grew up in a family uh, like you and I uh, grew up in a family and He lived a perfect life. Uh, I say repeatedly, it's hard for me to believe that a, ten, a 12-year-old could be perfect. But in the case of Jesus Christ, this was certainly the case. And He lived a perfect life. And uh, living a perfect life, He became a perfect sacrifice for sins. And He went to the cross to bear the punishment for the sins of His people. He went to the cross to bear the punishment for your sins and my sins. This is what Jesus Christ did. And then He rose again from the dead. And after uh, appearing uh, to many for 40 days, He ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. And having received the gift of the Holy Spirit, He poured forth the gift of the Holy Spirit upon you and me, the likes of you and me. And when that Holy Spirit comes upon uh, people like us, what do we do? 
we're changed on the inside and we look at Jesus Christ and we say yes to Jesus Christ. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit that brings about that affirmative response to Jesus Christ. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and change our hearts and give to us the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon us and give to us the gift of faith so that we can trust Jesus Christ as Lord. And so the plea would be to examine your heart and look at your own life and understand if you are in a circumstance where you're in sin, to cry out to God, Lord, be merciful to me a sinner and pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gift of faith to turn you to Jesus Christ the Lord so that you'll have and receive the gift of eternal life in heaven. All of this, my friends, is portrayed in baptism. All of this, baptism, bears witness to all of this. Listen again to the text. He saved us. We are baptized. Something happens to us. That's part of the idea. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to God's mercy. When the waters of baptism come upon us, we should recognize it's God's mercy that saves us and nothing less than the mercy of God by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And when the waters of baptism come upon us, It's a testimony to the fact that God washes us of our sins and renews us by a work of the Holy Spirit within us. Whom He poured out upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And when the waters of baptism are poured upon us, do I dare talk about mode of baptism? No? (laughs) See, I think the pouring of the water upon us is a reflection of the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. Oh, I know there's other opinions, that's fine. That's fine. But it's the idea of the cleansing work 
of the Holy Spirit of God. And it's through the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, by His grace and mercy, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That our hope would be not in this world, but in the world to come. Your baptism and my baptism points us to these things. And your baptism and my baptism will not be fulfilled until you come to glory in heaven when you are completely and thoroughly cleansed from all of your sins for all eternity. That's what your baptism points to. And so, Ava and Bella, remember this. After you're baptized, and the rest of you who have been baptized, remember that this is the case. And as you live in this world, live up to your baptism. Live in accordance with your baptism and testify to the world around you that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are one who is looking forward to the full and complete cleansing of your soul in heaven above and that you are going to live in accordance with the sign and the seal that has been placed upon you, the waters of baptism. Let's pray. Father, thank You that uh, uh, this is a good thing uh, for us. And we praise You that uh, we have the privilege tonight to uh, observe a baptism and contemplate our own baptisms and the significance of those baptisms and that uh, those baptisms are drawing us to look ahead into heaven. Yes, they may have taken place in the past and uh, they may take uh, place this evening, but they cause us to look ahead and to look ahead to heaven when the meaning of that cleansing and that purifying will be complete. And we come to our eternal inheritance. Cause us to think through these things and to remember these things, we pray. In the good name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen.